In the next 30 minutes on Newsnight, more trouble for government's controversial debt exchange program. As economists review, banks are still hesitant to sign up with seven days to the program's deadline. Well, I would be surprised if any banks should sign up for this in their current form. Plus 250 individual bondholders roll up their sleeves for a fight as they want government to back off. Hard-earned money that they lent to government, and it's time to pay. And government is saying, no, we don't have money. But government intends to continue certain developmental projects. You can't rob Peter to pay Paul. They don't want any haircut. They just want to get their money back. And also tonight, sack those responsible. Minority in Parliament demands sanctions against officials who allowed ex-convict American rapper Mick Mill to shoot hardcore music video filled with invectives at the seat of government. I am shocked that up to now, nobody has been fired and we haven't seen a statement from the president apologizing to the Ghanaian people. This, this has brought shame. Your views and comments all here on Newsnight, 55 It's now just seven days before government's deadline for bondholders to sign up to the much-criticized debt exchange program. And tonight, the adult banks will agree to subscribe to the program in its original form. Professor Finance Gottfried Wokwing says banks are still not ready to sign up. This comes as some 250 individual bondholders are set to sue government for including your bonds in the program. Government on December 24th announced an extension of the deadline for holders to sign up and included individual bond holders. The holders are not going down without a fight and are mobilizing to secure their investments. Martin Kwebu is your lawyer. They don't want any haircut. They just want to get their money back. They want the same, the money to be delivered to them at the initial maturity, what was agreed upon at the time they bought their bonds. Like for instance, about 4 billion of the bonds are maturing next month, right? Yeah, so those who want to use their money for other things, want to cash out and do those other things, mm. right? Yes. And then, so they just don't want any new extended maturities. And if you look at the invitation, mm. government will pay about 15%, 15%, 15%, no, 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 no. no. The clients are not interested. It's interesting. So how many clients do you have? So, so far, there are about 250. It's an, it's an option offered to them. What are you suing for? Yeah, so we are not starting with a lawsuit. So we want to engage government. Right. Right? Yes, because you also find in the, the news, right, that uh, John Kuma and other senior officers have said that if they don't come into the debt exchange, government will default. Mm. Yes, so those are kind of uh, very serious statements, for lack of a better word. Some even call them threats, so to speak. Right? Yes. So if you don't come in, government is indicated that they will be default. And so if they default, then that means you have to take legal action and I know courts take some time. So we want to negotiate with government to just do the right and by paying the clients when the time is due. So Martin, the 250, are they individuals? So these are corporate entities? Individuals, natural persons, each person with a name and with their bonds. Yes. So Martin, the problem here is government has indicated we're in difficult moments. Mm -hmm. We don't have the money. Mm -hmm. The government has said, let's all of us share the burden. Winston, I don't believe government doesn't have it. I don't. I've looked at the budget 
And straight away, if I look at the projects we intend to embark on in 2023, I believe government can cut back. Government can cut back. There are some of the roads, especially, and other projects in the budget. You see them, lots of roads. You see the other infrastructure. We can cut back because, Winston, this is a principle. It's not like people are asking for freebies. That's their hard-earned money. Hard-earned money that they lend to government. And it's time to pay. And government is saying, no, we don't have money. But government intends to continue certain developmental projects. You can't rob Peter to pay Paul. No, it doesn't work that way. You can't rob Peter to pay Paul. He insists excluding the individual bondholders will not affect government's talks with the IMF. The eight billion is just a small part of about hundred and forty-three billion that the budget has, or let's say the appropriation act now that we are going to spend. We don't have the kind of power that the pensioners had, or organized labor had, because they were threatening a strike. Yeah, and so they're going to shut down the country totally. And government says, "I am going to do this." So what's your bargaining power? Why wouldn't you want to accept some kind of, you know, you, you're calling for a negotiation. We're asking, what are you prepared to give? You say, no, uh, we want everything restored. The way the people are so enraged, very soon you see them out on the streets. It's the same thing. Organized labor, threatened to strike, etc. It's the same thing these bondholders are saying. No, and these bondholders, it's not about party colors. No, they cut across everywhere, Right. So they are willing to come out. People are in dire streets. I don't, I'm at a loss for words. Look, it's not a joke at all. Yesterday, one of them called me. He was weeping. A man, no, it's a Berman suit. The man was weeping because it was like, lawyer, will this thing work? When? When? Look, people need the money to buy their medication. Well, it is now just seven days before government's deadline for bondholders to sign up to the much criticized debt exchange program. Uh, but Professor Bokping, Professor of Finance, says banks are not ready to sign up. It has more to do with government than, it, than it's got to do with the banks. That is how I'll put it. Because we all do know that baseline, the debt exchange terms, it's, it's not it's not favorable to to the to the financial sector. I even want to talk broadly. The reason is that the debt exchange in the current form um, will weaken the balance sheet of the participating banks. So I do not expect that uh, any bank will will rush to it immediately. I think that requires careful analysis. And I still think that there is a need for government to engage this idea of uh, this is it. Uh, I think that uh, we may force the bank, we may force people to sign, but the, 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 the implications will be, will be, will be systemic. The implications will, 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 will stay with us for a very long time. So, if you if you if you if you look at the impact on banks from impairment, from liquidity challenge, and its impact on their capital adequacy ratio in the current form, I don't think that uh, uh, we are at the point where I think that 
we, we can we can we can encourage the banks to sign. Remember that the banks are holding people's money in trust. Okay, you can't say that these are banks, and therefore they should they should take any decision at all. If you. Professor Bokwin there. Meanwhile, Ghana and other countries seeking loans from the International Monetary Fund will pay additional lending rate as the Britain Wood Institution has increased the yield on its special drawing rights by some 210 basis points. Let's speak to uh, my colleague, uh, Kofi Ajay, who has been looking at the numbers. Joins us on the telephone line right now, Kofi. So did the IMF explain why this has happened and, and give us the details? Right, Tevan. So, if you can recall, 2022 has actually been uh, a year of rampant hikes in interest rates and also inflation rates. So, this is actually influencing even keeper money uh, or concessional loans. And so, if you look at the um, the international fund market, for instance, the uh, euro bond market, uh, the coupon rates have increased within depreciation of you know the um, the CD. And then also stronger currencies like the dollar and also the euro. So, for instance, IMF have their own, um, let's say, um, you know, internal currency that they use. They call the SDR, and it's stronger than all the other currencies. Uh, I mean, the dollar, the euro, and then also the pound. But if you look at the the current depreciation we've been seeing uh, with respect to the dollar and then other currencies, uh, plus inflation and other you know, hikes in interest payment. It means that it's becoming, you know, very difficult and expensive to borrow even in the in the, the concessional market. So that's the reason why we see at the current 2.99, you know, um, um, rate on the SDR loans. And it is more than, you know, three times the, the previous rate that we had. This will have implications for us. It suggests that we'll possibly be paying more uh, back to the IMF than we initially thought. Mm, absolutely, because uh, we lost access to the international foreign market. I remember that the last time we went to borrow from the European market, we were able, even able to get a zero coupon rate. And then also, if you look at the rates that we're borrowing from the European market, the average is around 8%. And so if you see an IMF loan, which is supposed to be a cheap money, and the loan is somewhere around 2.99%, it tells you that what is happening in the, the international market is having an influence uh, on even the, the, the concessional markets as well. Because right now, if you go to the eurobond market to borrow, you may pay as high as more than you know, um, 10% as interest. And it's becoming difficult to even get you know, um, loans from the eurobond market. And so the IMF is also just like an ordinary, you know, lender, and they have to protect their money. And so they must make sure that um, they protect the money. And when you are paying back the loan, they get the money to also lend to other people. So if you look at our data, for instance, uh, as a country, our external loans, we pay close to $2.5 billion every year to service external loans. That's interest plus principal. And even if you are looking at just interest, for instance, we are paying close to $1.7 billion every year as interest on our external loans alone. So it simply means that if the rate is moving from 0.889 to 2.99, uh, going forward probably 2030 or 2040, um, our loan service for external loans is going to go up. And um, it's not good news for us um, because IMF money is supposed to be cheap.
and 2.9 is very high. Well, in a related development, international research and market information firm Fitch Solutions says overwhelming majority of Ghanaians trust the opposition National Democratic Congress to manage the Ghanaian economy better than the ruling New Patriotic Party. This is says puts the largest opposition party in a good position to win the 2024 elections. According to its senior country risk analyst, Mike Kruninger, a public disaffection resulting from challenges in the economy such as high inflation and taxes will trigger the public disillusionment. He was speaking on the outlook of the Ghanaian economy in 2023. If we look slightly more into the future, so to the general elections in 2024, we believe that at this point, um, the opposition NDC is most likely to win. Public trust within the government is extremely low at the moment, uh, and anti-incumbency sentiment is likely to grow even uh, further next year due to economic hardship. When asked who Ghanaians would trust the most with the economy, a recent poll shows that the overwhelming majority of respondents opted for the opposition uh, NDC, informing our view that the government or a government change is likely in early 2025 after the 2024 election. And that was Mike Kroeninger, senior country risk analyst at Fitch Solutions. That's bringing political science lecturer at the University of Ghana, uh, Legon. Uh, Dr. Sasante is a senior political science lecturer there. Uh, Dr. Sasante, do you agree? Um, but, uh, perspectives. Let me share that perspectives with you. Uh, if you look at factors that influence voter choices, um, about 14 of them, research has shown, and one is the economy. Two is issue of uh, infrastructure development, corruption, and whatnot. So if you look at the point of view of uh, economic development, then you realize that the mess that we find ourselves is a strong indicator into that really will influence voter choices. Take it or leave it. That is a fact that the economy drives uh, voters into voting one direction or another. All right, then issue of what infrastructure development, the economy, uh, sorry, the corruption, the fight against corruption, and the rest of them. So now that we find ourselves in this difficult time, if the economy is not improved, I don't know the message that the government is going to say or tell to the electorate. If the IMF come on board and IMF also come with resource, with discipline and all that, then economy improves. The difficult task for the government is that what message are you going to what, convey to the electorate to convince them to vote him for you? Because the question will be that, were you the one uh, who managed the economy or is the IMF? So that's a difficult one, all right? But uh, elections, you must also be prepared for surprises. That if uh, the government is also able to what, uh, put its house in order and able to manage resources very well, uh, then the election uh, is there for everybody uh, to, to win. Well, they have at least 24 months before the elections next year, or slightly less than that. You know what they say, a day in politics is a long, long time. Um, so they simply still have time, don't they, to turn this around? It is true that they have time. Yes, the government can work around the clock and turn things around. But the difficult, the tax, the Herculean tax is that what message are you going to convey to the electorate? Are you the one who fixed the economy or is the IMF? That is the daunting tax for the, for the government. But of course, if the government is also, in spite of this, is able to show evidence that, yes, we're in difficulty, 
we, we, we are also members of the IMF and went there for a bailout. And out of that, we have been disciplined and we've been able to do ABC. And you can show evidence of that. That is also a function of as to whether, uh, whether the people are going to give you what uh, their mandate. But uh, I must be blunt that there is a difficult tax on the part of the government because the economy always drives voters into voting one way or another. But doesn't it also depend on how effectively the NDC is able to capitalize on this? That is also a factor. That it is not up for grabs. That it is by dint of hard work. How are they also going to what? Uh, manage the campaign. What is their message? What is their strategy? Uh, did they have resources to drive that, the, the, uh, their campaign and whatnot? It's a whole lot that you can't fold your arms and expect that... Yes, research points to the fact that you have uh, some advantage. But I tell you also that if you don't work and work very hard, I'm afraid you are not going to achieve the results that you want. Dr. Sasante, thank you very much. He's a senior lecturer at the University of Ghana Political Science Department. Now, there is a push tonight for government to engage players in the downstream sector as the first consignment of fuel under the Gold for Oil deal arrives in the country this week. In December, Deputy Energy Minister Andre Japamesa told your news once the cheaper fuel arrives in January, prices will go down further at the pumps. On the 10th, 11th, 12th of January, the first consignment of finished products is going to arrive in this country from the United Arab Emirates. All the necessary agreements that needed to be executed has been executed. A lot more interest have been shown by other oil traders. And whatever it is that government is doing is intended to complement what it is that the private sector who are operators within the space are providing. Just so that we can take some pressure of the, the, the dollar, okay, and make it available to other people who ordinarily would not be getting enhanced, increasing the pressure on the city. Meanwhile, energy analyst Dr. Yusif Suleimana is advising government to engage players in the downstream sector. As he says, a deal can only be a medium-term solution and not one that can be sustained over the long period. Yeah, so on the surface, uh, if you look at it from the fact that, I mean, it's going to limit the pressure, it's going to uh, take away the pressure that we have on the dollar, definitely it's going to bring a lot of stability, you know, to the market, to the downstream market. But you have to look at it in the broader context. The, 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 I always say that the devil lies in the details. Um, this policy has to be championed surgically, uh, 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 brother. Why I'm saying that, because we do have a downstream in place, and the downstream is robust. And I think I have to congratulate them, I have to commend them, you know, where in other countries we're having fuel shortages, Ghana will never experience any erratic fuel supply, even in the midst of this anarchy and pandemonium within the international scene. So the, my, my bit of problem that I have, whatever the policy is going to be, they should make sure that they, you know, groom in this uh, existing, you know, BDCs, I mean, existing bond oil supply, I mean, the downstream players. They shouldn't work with this policy and segregate these downstream players. That is going to be a problem. Because I see this policy as, at best, medium-term. I'm saying that medium-term because I think it's not a, 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 a long-term and a, a sustainable policy that we can rely on. I will believe that any policy that result for we depending on outside partners is always, uh, always energy security, will always have energy security ramifications. 
At any point in time, we need to make sure that we are self-dependent. And the self-dependent here means that we have to have a refining that can refine this product. But coming back to the context of this bill, um, we have to make sure that we don't destroy our downstream sector. And I'm happy that they are involving a lot of big examples in this kind of negotiation. And I also want to believe that they want to use coal energy and that the oil as well as and, and, and what's, what's your boss to champion this. So they are already part of this downstream sector. The only thing is that the other players, how are they going to cope? Mm. Are we not going to destroy the market? Are we going to bring fragments, in, fragments into the market? If the government handles it well, without bringing any segment, uh, segregation within the market, in terms of other players, how they are going to be able to cope with respect to how they can get cheaper petroleum products to satisfy the market, that we are well, we are good to go. And I think, well, they've done that before. Um, we just have to make sure that we don't, we don't, we, 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 we champion the policy so that the gains are not disproportionate, you know, to the potential negative impact. And the only potential negative impact that I, I foresee here is the fact that apart from oil, probably and coal energy, who are going to work with this plane, what about the other DDCs? Energy analyst Suleiman Ada is still ahead. Sack those responsible. Minority in parliament demand sanctions against officials who allowed ex-convict American rapper Mick Mill to shoot hardcore music video filled with invectives at the seat of government. I am shocked that up to now, nobody has been fired and we haven't seen a statement from the president apologizing to the Ghanaian people. This, this has brought shame details of the business and Mamisi Thompson is here with the details. Yes, heavens. In business, government exceeds treasury bills target by 15.4%, uh, but at the expense of keeping interest rates stable, the business news is brought to you by MTN Business. Welcome to the new world of business, Ghana Pay and Alliance Live. Now the details. Government exceeded its treasury bill targets by 15.4%, but at the expense of keeping interest rates stable, it accrued 1.72 billion cities. This is also coming despite the rising demand for the short-term instruments. There's more in this business desk report. Government was expected to raise about 1.49 billion CDs last Friday to refinance treasury bill maturities of 1.37 billion CDs. So the extra 350 million CDs it obtained is a good omen for the economy. However, the expectation was that interest rates would have fallen because of the rising demand for the short-term securities. Again, since the government's only source of borrowing for now is the treasury market, ideally, demand for the treasury securities should have pushed the rate a little down. Chunk of the bids came from the 91-day treasury bill, where a little over 1.41 billion CDs was received at a relatively same interest rate from the previous week. The yield for the 182-day bill was also virtually unchanged. Analysts expect T-bill yields to decline as an expected International Monetary Fund support program in the first quarter of this year, coupled with a stable outlook of the city, may limit currency pass through to inflation. And that was a business desk report. International research and market information firm Fitch Solutions is predicting a narrow current account deficit of 4.0% in relation to the size of the economy for Ghana in 2023 from 4.4% recorded last year. This is expected to impact positively on the value of the Ghana city. However, that will be subject to improving the fiscal position of the country, including prudent spending and sustainable debt levels. The country has been 
recording trade surplus since 2018, but capital flight as a result of high interest payments and sell-offs of the country's bonds by foreign investors had triggered a weak current account position. Mike Kriniger is a senior country risk analyst of Fitch Solutions. We project that the current account deficit, which is reflected by the line in light pink here, has widened notably in 2022 on the back of large primary income outflows caused by elevated interest payments on Ghana's external debt. But we expect a very slight improvement in 2023. Indeed, we forecast the current account deficit will reach 4% uh, of GDP in 2023 from 4.4% in 2022. So what is the key reason behind this improvement? As I already mentioned, we forecast healthy production growth for Ghana's most prominent exports, gold, oil, and cocoa, which will prop up export growth next year. At the same time, we believe that import growth will be weak on the back of slowing domestic demand given still elevated inflation and the prospects of higher taxes. This will put downside pressure on demand for imported consumer items and imported capital goods and thus improve the overall uh, trade balance. Mike Kroeninger is a senior country risk analyst at Fitch Solutions. Now, the Ghana Chamber of Young Entrepreneurs has warned that businesses owned by young people could collapse if the government does not expedite action on the implementation of the U-Start program. Speaking to Joy Business, its chief executive, Sharif Ghali, called on the government to be prompt in delivering its flagship support programs for SMEs. Thus, he believes will be critical in sustaining the growth of the private sector. We should be anticipating a lot of closures or folding up of businesses, especially businesses owned by young people who are striving to grow. We would need to focus on the short-term interventions that can really bring back our economy on track to support businesses. And government should also look into details. Let us be deliberate in supporting SMEs. It's very important that you go along with your private sector. So for us, the short-term interventions that have been mentioned in the budget should be acted upon, especially with the youth that I'm key on that because the reality is that a lot of young people are struggling to grow their businesses. And these people are the ones that create a lot of jobs for their colleagues. So if we do not support them, these businesses, most of them will fold up. And that's it for business. Over to you, Evans. Now, the minority in parliament is tonight demanding the immediate sacking of state officials responsible for allowing American rapper Mick Mill, who is an ex-convict, to shoot a video of the Jubilee House filled with invectives. There's been widespread public condemnation of the video. The rapper, known in official circles as Robert Ramik Williams, was in Ghana to perform at the Afro Nation concert and also took advantage to push his campaign for prison reforms through his non-profit organization, Reform Alliance, following his incarceration for drug offenses in Philadelphia hometown, where he also met with President Akufado at the Jubilee House. Very, very excited that uh, my insisted yeah. that you should come and say hello to me. And I appreciate that very much. I heard about last night. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> and it's happening at a time when a lot of places in West Africa and a lot of difficulties. And here we have, what, 100,000 or something more? That was a lot. People which, yeah, coming out to to party, to listen to you and enjoy themselves. Yes. It's something really extraordinary. We have to thank you for that. Make the best of it by 
reforging the link yeah. and leveraging our mutual strengths of each other and for each other so that we can elevate the position of black people in the well, a video has since emerged of McMeal in the music recording field with gangster language and invectives recorded with his gang at the Jubilee House. McMeal and his gang are seen in T-shirts and shorts complete with huge chains dancing through the corridors of the seat of government. It has been condemned by the public. <laughs> we, this country right now, do you know what, what we have in this country? It's like we have a country without head. You know, the, the, the country is just... We don't just know what is going on. McMill. We have people in Ghana here more than McMill. But they don't have that opportunity to go to the Jubilee House to do what McMill just did. In short. Hey. But we get best by best in Ghana. Can you compare Sarkozy in terms to those guys where they talk say McMill? Mick, you can't do that. Who does that? What are people saying about this? So it's very bad. Uh, as a Ghanaian, for me, it's very bad. You know, to just allow American artists just enter into our, you know, our, let's say, a Jubilee House to just shoot a video. Uh, and, and I know some of the Ghanaians cannot even just go there and say they are, they are going to even shoot a video. But this is where our presence live. And we need some security there. And American artists just move from America. We don't know what have is in mind. What is going to set some cameras there to know what we are doing over there? So that one, the presence... You know, I think it's very bad that you have to allow somebody to enter to our this Jubilee House to just shoot a video. I don't, I don't think it's good. The minority spokesperson on foreign affairs, Samuel Kujeta Blackwa, says officials who looked on for the video to be shot must be fired. He spoke to my colleague, Fred Smith. This is despicable. It's a desecration. Look, the president, the seat of government in any country is an embodiment of the collective image everything the people hold dear. Listen to the lyrics. Those who have argued that perhaps this was a marketing opportunity to promote Ghana, go listen to the lyrics. No mention of Ghana and the explicit content, how our women are even, you know, denigrated. The, 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 the sexism, the misogyny, I mean, the swear words, nothing in that context promotes Ghana, projects Ghana. So please spare me the hogwash about marketing, about promoting Ghana. It, it, it doesn't hold. Look, anybody who watches this video in the international arena will rather be disgusted and will say, what country is that? I want to go there. I don't want to be part of them. Which country? Will, will open the seat of government, will give its lectern, its presidential lectern, its presidential podium for such explicit content, for these totally offensive lyrics to be muttered out. It's, it's, this is horrible. It's horrendous. And that's why I am shocked that up to now, nobody has been fired and we haven't seen a statement from the president apologizing to the Ghanaian people. This this has brought shame to the Ghanaian people. And look, this presidency should show the Ghanaian people some respect. Yes. And you see, it exposes their mindset. You think Shatawale, Stoneboy, any Ghanaian artist will get this kind of access? 
McMill himself, have they seen him have this access at the White House? I mean, it, it's unbelievable. Which Ghanaian artist will have this opportunity at any country? Hmm? And to and to and to put out such explicit content, such unacceptable lyrics. Yeah. I am so outraged. Yeah, like Mr. Most Black, are. Yeah, Mr. Blackwa, uh, how far do you intend to go with your call for the removal of those who are responsible for the video? We are going to go very, very far. We are not going to let this matter slide at all. We will insist that there is an investigation. We will insist that all of those who masterminded this national disgrace and international embarrassment are brought to book. You can expect that we will continue to push as the House remains on reset, a committee to be looking into this matter. When the House returns, we will raise this matter on the floor and we will, in carrying out our constitutional mandate, insist that heads rule, sanctions are meted out, lessons are learned, and the whole image of our presidency is protected. And as a minority spokesperson on foreign affairs, Samuel Kujita Blakwa, meanwhile, Mick Mill has apologized. Uh, Jojo Kobana is here with something he wrote on his uh, Twitter page, correct? Yes, yes, yes. And he posted this at 8, um, 6 11, um, barely 20 minutes ago, and it's garnered over 388 retweets. And he says, My apologies to the people if any disrespect. We're going to push to make the connection between black people in America and Africa. What I'm trying to do is more than a video, and you should see it coming soon. My apologies to the office also. And this was retweeted um, 388 times and then 35 quote tweets. And the impressions is counted as uh, 57.1K so mm, far. I see. Well, Mick Mill apologizes there. And that's it for Newsnight tonight. Enjoy the rest of your holiday. The other day, I visited.